Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello there, Adam. You know what I'm stoked about right now? <laughs> what your new accent coach has been teaching you? <laughs> It's very expensive. (laughs) Our podcast, Thank the Maker, has teamed up with Roosevelt. They're the company that makes all those rad Star Wars button-downs that I've been wearing a lot lately, for anyone who doesn't know. Yeah, dude, I love their stuff. I'm stoked. I'm also stoked, though, that they're helping us throw our Star Wars-themed punk and emo night, the ultimate Star Wars party, Mosh Eisley. That's going to be so much fun. If you want to order anything from Roosevelt's, go to rsvlts.com and use promo code THANKTHEMAKER with no spaces to get 20% off of your first order. Not to be confused with the tyrannical dark side organization, just to be clear. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's a different first order. To repeat, go to rsvlts.com and use promo code THANKTHEMAKER with no spaces to get 20% off your first order. Welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. My name is Adam Russell. I am Ryan Key. I am still reeling from that episode. Hey, everyone. It's Mike. How are you guys? Great. I'm action-packed, you know? Underrested, but overstoked. <laughs> what an episode. Like, seriously, was that... Oh, man. I just realized I, start, I put a coffee on before we started this, and it's now sitting there in the machine. All right, go get it. Made. Because I have to talk about, this might be one of the greatest episodes of Star Wars television we have ever seen. Well, I'm not going to miss that, but let me go get my coffee. (laughs) I need it. Adam, your incessant whining about how tired and old and shitty you are makes me want coffee. That's why I'm drinking this Perrier Energize right now. I'm just kidding. I love you. You're not whining at all. (laughs) It was a joke and it wasn't funny. I'll be right back. It's a good (laughs) attempt. If we ever start a band, we won't quit. Shout out to patrons who heard the conversation before this. It's heist day. Hell of an episode. Action. Top to bottom. We got an empire to burn. Yeah. This this was an episode that I'm sure a lot of uh, disgruntled, I would guess, like prequel fans probably finally got stoked on. Like, where's all the action? Well, Mm -hmm. here it is. And it kicks ass. I think this episode, the reason that this episode was so good is because it combined all of the things that I think that people have been feeling the depth of maturity of like where Star Wars could go. I feel like this episode did all of those things because we had incredible action, absolutely beautiful visuals, uh, and the story only sunk in deeper. Start over, Mike. (laughs) Just kidding. I have to start over. Okay. I'm just kidding. No, I think the reason that this episode is so successful in being probably one of the best Star Wars episodes we've ever seen is because it combines all the things that we love and what we're expecting from this more mature version of Star Wars, which is incredible cinematography, uh, layers and depths of character, flaws, and accomplishments in writing. Just in overall, Star Wars has those tropes that are very 
near and dear to us of saying the good guys are going to be good. The bad guys are going to be bad. We had no, I literally had no idea what was going to happen in this heist, but we just had a a feeling based on how they wrote the characters that you were expecting someone to probably double cross and you didn't know what was going to go wrong. The fact that we didn't know what was going to happen in a Star Wars series is crazy. Mm -hmm. So seriously, one of the best episodes of Star Wars television we've ever seen. All right, let's get right into Stolen Plans. What have you done with those plans? And or episode six, The Eye, of course, is why we're here. This episode debuted today, October 12th, 2022 on Disney+. Plus. Disney Plus description, with cover from a spectacular local festival, the Aldani mission reaches a point of no return. It's good. It's really good. Mark, the intern, has graduated. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah, yeah. he's on salary now. <laughs> The Donnie, the people of Aldani. That was interesting. I thought they're called Donnie. I wonder if Al is like a uh, like a prefix mm. in that language, maybe. It's cool. Anyway, written by Dan Gilroy again, directed again by Susanna White. New additions to the cast, uh, just momentary. We're assuming probably just for this episode or maybe a couple. Stanley Townsend as the Commandant J. Hold B. Has. He's done a lot of UK TV, nothing I specifically recognized. Ryan, you watch some UK series and shit, right? I didn't. I didn't pick him out from anything specific. I'd have to go look, and I'm sure I would be like, "Oh, I've watched him in 15 different programs." Yeah, he was good. Michelle Duncan as Robota B has his wife. She was in Atonement and Bohemian Rhapsody. She looked a little familiar to me. Maybe that I'm just putting this in my head. I don't know. Richard Katz as Colonel Pedigar. He had a small role in Guardians of the Galaxy. He is kind of a that guy face. You know, the, the other Imperial along with the Commandant that came there, the, the engineer, right? Or is, When they no, were no. discussing the, the eye and, and, and right, the, right. towards the beginning of the episode. Yeah, when they were being pieces of shit. Over coffee in their Yeti cups. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Runtime on this episode is 53 minutes, 47-ish actual content, 45-ish. Good solid episode, though. It felt like a little movie, you know, like the mm-hmm. second and third act of, a, you know, an Ocean's movie or Die Hard. Ocean's 11, I mean, Andor's 6. I think Tony Gilroy had talked about focusing on directors on these like three episode arcs. I think that's why people were frustrated that it, it seems slow, which is just hilarious to me. Right. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. This show has never felt slow to me. I've been frustrated that it's not Wednesday consecutively for the past however many weeks. But you could see that it was actually really smart of Disney to kind of lay this out in the first three episodes all at once so that you kind of get used to the fact that there was going to be set up. But I, all in all, I mean, seriously, I'm I'm still like reeling from what we just saw and that it changed a formula. I, I would say Heist in Ocean's Eleven almost feels too fun for what this was. This was like the the town to me. Oh, yeah. The Ben Affleck movie but when they when they stormed Fenway Park. Yeah. Because it was like, it, as soon as they got in there, I mean, it was violent. It was like, you felt tense. You felt like, how, how far are they going to push this thing? Because you could start to see it go off the rails and you're like someone's gonna get blasted for sure yeah it had like um you say the town to me it also had like this like michael mann heat yeah. vibe to it you know agree yeah you know minus all the blood but it, it had that that energy and pace and like um tension you know i think mike you you mentioned this just talking about the cinematography on this this series and so like layers under that i want to go with like color treatment of the film yep. and costumes i mean Think about the Aldani and or the Donnie 
I guess. And like when they're all arriving and their their costumes are so colorful and vibrant, you get the idea that these are a very rich, you know, these, these people have a very rich culture that has been around for eons. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Empire is stepping all over that and there's bad blood and all those things. But the effect of like the bright costumes being desaturated, yet still feeling bright. I don't know if you're following me on that. Like, yeah, yep, yep. You know, the whole the whole show is desaturated in the in a perfect way, and so I just I really thought that was remarkable that it was bright red, but it wasn't actually bright red. The, the way they've done the color treatment for the film is is just incredible. And then I love what we're getting to see consistently on the imperial side, and and today more than ever before, going into the base the way we did, seeing the different kinds of troopers that are there that aren't stormtroopers, the different the different squads of guards and attendance and, and the, two, the two imperial officers chatting over coffee like those yeah. types of things right, yeah, yeah. are so new and cool it's and, called calf okay. and yeah calf yeah chatting over calf and th- it's just um reinforcing my love of the original you know lucas's original vision of basing this whole thing on nazi germany on the empire sure. being the worst most evil empire ever and like you see it so much and you see that world world war ii reference in so much of the set design and the costumes and just so i was sort of overwhelmed with that throughout the i felt like as you just said like we're watching a movie i felt like i was like watching a world war ii film yeah yeah. uh you know like a small side mission not as not a big uh well i guess i don't know maybe like a saving private ryan style you know a small band of rebels off to do one small little mission that was it really had that Valkyrie with Tom Cruise, you know, like there was that, yeah, it had that, like it was all leading up to that. Yeah. And seeing the rebels in the Imperial costumes for the entire mission, you know, like really gave it that sort of spy thriller feeling. I, I, yeah. So visually I thought this episode was just absolutely just stunning. I mean, the eye and, and the, the juxtaposition of like the violence against the beauty, it just was mm-hmm. like overwhelming. I, I yeah. like that whole sequence and the way they made, you know, that, that probably you know, sort of throw to like um, the Northern Lights experience, you know, all on steroids, right? Right. I, I didn't know what to expect. They've been talking about it for a couple of episodes that it's going to happen. It's this big night sky event. I had no idea it was going to be as gnarly as it was and as, ten- as intense as it was. And then not only did you get to see it from the ground, you got to experience this combat inside of it. And I might be getting too deep here, but when they're up inside of it, you realize this thing that they're down on the ground looking at that's so beautiful is actually insanely violent. It's in, it's extreme. Right. Like, yeah. it's super <laughs> dangerous. It's super, you know, like, it's all they could do to, to navigate out of it. And, you know, the TIE fight, the, the three TIE pilots die from getting hit by whatever the, the things that are, you know, pro- the projectiles that are going across the sky and, and causing all of the, the light to happen. Quite literally a meteor shower. And can we like yeah. appreciate ILM for a second? Yeah, oh, yeah. The dude. sound of the first one that went across the sky. I was like, that is the raddest sound I've ever heard. And Booming. then mm-hmm. it just started happening more frequently. And then they come out of the base and you see it on full display. I'm lucky enough to be close enough where we see the Northern Lights quite often. And uh, yeah, they're not they're not loud. No. They're actually silent. I've seen them so once this, in Iceland. This and is much they were, different. They were quiet. <laughs> yeah, right. Beautiful, but quiet. Uh, so I, I would say my biggest takeaway, there are there's the, the Star Wars action in this film, incredible. I think we've kind of been waiting for some of that, for some more of that, and to get a full-on shootout scene with TIE fighters on an escape, you know, classic escape from TIE fighters scene. That was all incredible. But I think as, as exciting as that was for me, honestly, all of the classic Star Wars tropes that and and like sequences that happened were kind of overshadowed by the visual how 
stunned I was by the visual aesthetic of this episode. It was just insane. Yep. Dude, I love how this, I mean, you go back to the beginning of Star Wars. It, it's exactly what I'm about to describe. You take any kind of movie, any kind of show, any kind of storytelling structure, any kind of storytelling um, framework, and you put it in Star Wars, you dress it in Star Wars, and although it's familiar, it doesn't seem stolen. It doesn't seem uh, too tropey, you know? Like, this had so much classic textbook heist war movie stuff, mm -hmm. like robbers in disguise. You got an inside man. You got a big event to distract from the heist. They shut down the power, you know? Disrupt uh, the comms. Yeah, patron... Patrick Merton in, in the chat says they, they even did a Mission Impossible jump, you know, with the repelling. Yeah. The, you know, yeah. You know, they spill some of the loot in the process of, of stealing it. And, and then one character yells, just leave it. You know, <laughs> there's a moment when the security shows up, the team tries to talk their way out of it. But then there's a shootout. And then the cops are like the SWAT, you know, like the, the heavy hitters show up. In this case, the TIE fighters mm -hmm. you get this badass chase. One of the characters turns, you know, a beloved character dies. Like they do all this stuff that's super textbook kind of predictable, but none of it in the moment felt like, oh, they're just recycling the heist movie stuff. It was all so well-written mm -hmm. in this context. Speaking of, of the TIE fighters, and I might be, I love you, I know is really tough in this, in this episode because of the visuals, but how about that getting into the TIE fighters scene? Oh, yeah. I mean... That's what I'm talking about. This green and blue. Yeah, yeah. This Imperial stuff that we've never seen them running across that catwalk and dropping down and it like, okay, that's how, that's how TIE fighters are launched, yeah. you know, from, I mean, we've seen them launched before, but we've never seen pilots, Imperial pilots, like, you know, in, in mass running and getting boarding in, in like an emergency and all hands on deck emergency. Yeah. Sick. Right. Like Mike mentioned earlier, um, this seems like the end of this arc, these three episode arcs seems to confirm that hypothesis. And I guess, Mike, if, if Tony Gilroy said that officially, you know, hypothesis, fully confirmed. Mm -hmm. I wonder how many characters' stories are fully done now at mm -hmm. the end of this arc, or if we're going to revisit any. I think a character like Cinta, we, we need to see again. There's like too much baggage with her character being, you know, she shoots first. Cassian shoots first. There's like this like Han Solo kind of like ruthless rebel, do bad shit for the cause kind of vibe. Also, she gets left behind. Yeah. You know, there's significance to that, I think. Yeah. She doesn't care. I think we're going to, I think they're going to be a part of the show because I think they are, um, this squad is so tied directly to, to Luthen. I think there's a good chance that they actually do go forward. You know, that Cassian's going to run off and do whatever he's doing right now, but that they'll end up back together because the tell me you'll be okay moment. Yeah. Yeah. You know, between, um, between, Vel and, uh, and, and Cinta. Yeah. Like, yep. I, I think I think they'll be a part of the story. I mean, we'll see. Yeah, further confirmation of their relationship there too, with the little handhold. They could be full stop if they want. They can move on to a totally new thing. But I, I think I think they'll still be involved. Let's go through the episode and we'll riff on it. Yeah, for sure. There's good stuff in the whole in the whole episode. Yeah, yeah. A couple quick things, and we'll get a little deeper. Um, talking about the Empire and really solidifying them as the big bad pieces of shit the ultimate villains, you know, the Nazi and, and corporate imperial kind of um, tropes there. I love the, that funny little metaphor about the commandant trying to put his belt on and insisting that it shrunk, but his wife's like, well, maybe, maybe you've you expanded. expanded. <laughs> yeah. Oh, if my wife ever said that to me, I'd be like, I'm, I gotta do something about my life. This is bad. Mike's like, man, my, this armor got 
maybe just got a little squashed in my bag or something. I've expanded. Yeah, nice, uh, nice metaphor for the empire at large. Yeah, that was good. I think to your point, Adam, solidifying the evilness of what they do. I think the biggest thing that I took away from that that opening dialogue between the two of them where they're describing what basically they did to the Aldani people. Yeah, you're looking back on history of how colonists dealt with the Native American population, they literally almost describe exactly to a T what they did. You move them into certain parts and were like, oh, we're going to help you build this community. They just moved them off land so that they could buy it. Yeah. Introduce them to alcohol. Here, blankets will keep you warm. Smallpox and sickness infected. Um, I mean, it's terrible stuff. It, and it's not really up for debate. We have plenty of information about it. And to kind of see them just do it in a, in a, with a Star Wars lens was smart, but also like, oh, you're reading that and being like, oh, we set up these camps for them so that they would stop progressing up here. And we just, we're going to turn them into slums. That was like their their process. Yeah. And, they, and he says it in like a matter of fact of like, oh, this is what we've, this is the game plan and it's clearly working. So, and, yeah. they're, and then they like, they cheers to that. You're like, ah, ah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's get a little deeper here and kind of go um, character by character because we, we're tying up some ends here. We've got some stuff we want to talk about. So Cassian, in the middle of the action, not too many like huge moments. So his key moments in this episode were kind of the opening and the closing. Opening with the conversation, the exchange between him and Nemec. Nemec talking about um, he couldn't sleep, so he wrote a bunch in, in his manifesto about Cassian, about the place of mercenaries in the rebellion. And, you know, basically not needing to always take the high road and adapting because the Imperials are going to adapt. So we're going to adapt. And that dude played it so well, just Mm -hmm. in terms of performance, how he's got that frustrated kind of energy to him, you know, like, well, if they're not going to play by the rules, why should we play by the rules? Yeah, we'll do mercenaries. We'll do this. We'll do that. Mm -hmm. We'll learn from this and we'll adapt just like they do. And then Cassian comes back with, they don't care enough to learn. They don't have to. They don't care about you. It doesn't matter. They're in the position of power, basically, so they don't have to do shit. It's a solid moment. Cassian also told Nemec, you'll sleep after this is over. Yeah. He, sh- he sure is sleeping. <laughs> the dirt nap. Forever sleep. Rest in peace. <laughs> the the Donnie Pilgrims, the eye, that whole thing, we learn a little bit about the culture, like the stuff you mentioned, Mike, trading goat skins for a three-year lease on the land. That's a... It's, straight up of a Native American uh, Manifest Destiny references as I can think of. Yep. That was brutal. But there's an amazing moment and quote from the Donnie leader that Lieutenant Gorn mistranslates on purpose not to make waves in, in this scene. So he's talking to the commandant, he's translating for him. And the Donnie leader says, tell him our ghosts have strong hands and long memories. Oof. <laughs> That's a quote right there, man. Yeah. Ooh, baby. And Lieutenant Gorn mistranslates it purposely. He says, may the eye find the good in all of us. And did you notice that the Donnie chieftain seems to understand him? Mm-hmm. Like he speaks enough English to go, 
Yeah. He looks at her. He's like, that's not what I said. That's not what I said. Yeah. And also remember the Donnie chief had said to him prior to that, something about like, may the eye stay open long enough to find some good in you. Yeah. 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 Just shade. That happened earlier. <laughs> so he was kind of riffing on that. Vel, Vel is really scared and hesitant in this. It was interesting. I, I wonder what's well it what's, just it got real shit got real yeah you know i wonder if there's anything deeper or if it's or if it's just that or if she's just was concerned about cinta it's hard to say but i i read it as just now that it's real and it's happening maybe you know she might not have had the nerve she thought she had i mean nerves, yeah you know so you get a you'll, you guys will love this the sports ball reference but you get a number one quarter number one draft pick quarterback who's just thinks he's he's hot shit and he shows up in the NFL and everyone is bigger and faster and gnarlier than anything he's ever seen before. And he totally chokes and you know, is what it, I got. That was the vibe I got. It was just like, it was game day. And she was like, Oh, Oh shit. I have to jump. I have to jump off this bridge. <laughs> yeah. You know, like it was just, that was, it. it was just real. It got real for her. Yeah. But she ultimately comes through and delivers yeah. and makes it out. I think Cinta kind of inspires her, you know, yeah. she's like, come on, dude, let's go. Cinta turns out though, is tough as hell. Like yeah. Skeen mentioned. Too bad. She's already sharing a blanket, huh? Yeah. What do you think? Did she kill the family at the end? 100%. You think she's 100%. gone that dark? You think? Yep. Yep. The kid? For sure. Yep. Dark. I mean, I want to believe that. Skeen says that she's the most dedicated. She puts on the officer kit. She has the blaster. They're already gone. She goes in, like, seeing this whole thing. Like, if she's not going in to do damage in there, start running. Get out yeah, of there. Yeah, why go in at all? Like, meet up with them. Like, she went in to put the hurt on them. Yeah. And she just, I think she's like her silence and always being like, you know, she's kind of like, uh, like Billy in predator. Right. Oh, yep. Just yep. got that, like that look that she's had that thousand yard stare, I think since we've been introduced to her character and she's the, you know, she's got the same motivation to be like, you kill my whole family. You've, we see this like pattern now in the show. Um, an eye for an eye. Right. Patrick in the chat just said something interesting and, and she left an she, you know, she's left behind, but walks out in an Imperial uniform. She's like already moved on. And I wonder to our point a little bit earlier in the show about maybe these characters are no longer with us. That could certainly be a thing. Like what, what a poetic way to show the end of her arc that she did those evil things in an Imperial uniform. Like, yeah. of course, mm. she's not going to join the Empire, mm -hmm. but it's poetic that she went so far that she actually became the thing she hated the most. Yeah, sure. Like Mike said, stormtroopers killed her whole family, which is rough because it turns out Terraman is a former stormtrooper. Yeah. He's dead now. I think you also, in ter like, in, and on that point, they said that Terraman used to be a stormtrooper, which there's been some complaints, of course, of people are like, well, we're the stormtroopers. But now you kind of start to see the sense of the scale of the ranks of the Galactic Empire, right? Mm -hmm. That this is more so, like, Aldani is an outpost. Yeah. You wouldn't have a full base of active Marines on, you know, an outpost that's largely focused on surveillance, right? So when they said that, you know, he was he was a former stormtrooper. Tamron was, you know, like there was kind of supposed to be this moment where you were like, whoa. That means again, when we first introduced them and build their lore up, they're despite being cannon fodder for our heroes, they're elite soldiers. So it shows that like that's why Tamron knew all those ranks. He wasn't a low ranking officer. Like he was an elite soldier. So I think it's pretty interesting we're fleshing that out, kind of your point, Ryan, of just seeing more inside of the Empire. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about skiing for a minute and bring it back to Cassian. Before we wrap up this section, 
Skeen was suspicious of Cassian from jump. Textbook shady person, paranoid that everyone else is shady, you know, the kind of like cheating a significant other vibe, right? So he and Cassian are very similar in that, you know, skeptical, cynical about anyone. And Skeen actually like points that out in their exchange at the end. He says, you're just like me. You were born in the hole. And all we know is climbing over somebody else to get out, mm-hmm. which is true. You know, he's, he's holding up a mirror to Cassian. Turns out this dude didn't actually have a brother. Like we kind of speculated it was just a story or did he, who knows? I think he did. I think he, I think did. he did too. I think that was like, my brother's dead. Point of the story is I don't like have a that brother. Part of my life is dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like when it comes down to that, like him just being, you know, in Cassian being like, what about me? He's like, for 40 million, I can forget about anybody. Yeah. And it's kind of like his whole point of like how many people had to just leave their home if where they lived would became a war zone. What do you do? You move somewhere else, you start working, you basically start your life over. Or if you're a certain person, a certain religion, if you're a certain group of people, um, you might have to literally lose your identity and start over so that people wouldn't find you. I mean... I could see it as being both ways because him just straight up making that story up wouldn't describe his motivation for joining the rebellion in the first place, other than if he was just in it to make money, which could have been the case. But isn't, I mean, the fact that like we can't figure it out is damn good writing, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're talking about it. I don't necessarily think the idea of him being a rebel and being out for himself are mutually exclusive. And he says as much basically in the conversation. Cassian says something like, oh, so no rebellion? And he says, oh, I'm a rebel, but it's just me against everyone else. Mm -hmm. So when it comes down to it, like he can't escape his baggage, you know? Like I actually have, I have a really good friend who owns a business and he's a dude who had a pretty rough childhood and teenage years. He went to juvie. He, He had a rough time, but he ultimately ended up becoming a pretty successful adult, went to business college, owns a successful business. And we had conversations when I worked for him for a while about like how much I was going to get paid and this and that. And he's like the most transparent, honest, legit dude I've ever met. And he said something like, yeah, you're right. I think I pointed out like needing to get paid more or something. He's like, I get it. I get it. I just had this thing where I have to like take selfish opportunities because that's just in me. Like Mm -hmm. I can't get rid of that. Mm -hmm. No matter how much I've grown, no matter how much I've, I've climbed up out of the hole that's still in me. Survival technique. Yeah. So I can see how, yeah, we want to like hate this dude in the moment where he confesses this shit to Cassian and he tries to bail. Han Solo did the same thing. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. 100%. Like, I don't, care, I don't care about your rebellion. You got the money, honey. I got your disease. Yeah. <laughs> well played. Because he also has that moment where he, he seemed to genuinely care when he was talking about Vel wanting to leave Nemec. And he was like, this kid is the only reason we're here. He's alive. We're not just going to bail because you're scared. Well, I, th- you know? I think that plays to the, the fact that his intention was not to harm any of them. Right. Like, doesn't, to, to your point, Adam, it doesn't mean he's a bad person, really. Right. Like, his circumstance and his inherent fear of not knowing what comes next and having this plan all along. I mean, it, it's a crappy move, you know, to these people that he's invested his time and befriended and he's going to betray them. But he doesn't want them to die. Right. And I think he had a soft spot for Nemec early in the show. I mean, he, you yeah. know, I think they, they had a bit of a relationship, kind of big brother, little brother relationship all along. And he also probably looks up to him in some sense, being a pure, mm-hmm. a pure idealist about mm-hmm. the rebellion, you know? 
But also, do you think possibly he's like, without that kid, we don't know where we're going. So he's literally thinking of his exit strategy and being like, mm. that guy seemed to be the only way that we could get yeah. out. It, Zach in the chat, Mike just said, getting him to the hospital provides a way for him to take off with the credits. Yeah. It, it dumps Val, for sure. It dumps Val. And that's why they had that conversation outside. But, yeah. you know, I think, I mean, everyone's gray. That's just the brilliance yeah, of the show. Every, like this whole just, conversation you're like just, yeah. is evidence of how good it is. We're, well, everyone's gray for now until yeah. Force Whitaker shows up. Things are going right. to change. <laughs> yeah. The lines will be drawn. And then, it's, and then it gets <laughs> very dark gray. Very dark gray. Uh, yeah. Everyone's just dark. <laughs> dark, but also committed. Yeah. You know, like yeah. dark, but also yeah, yeah, like yeah. all in. So no longer wishy washy. Call it what it is. Yeah. Let's call it war. So wrapping it up, with Cassian. So he kills Skeen. He shoots first. Mid-sentence. Han Solo just style. Murder. Just murder. Straight yeah. murder, death kill. Like, nope, this isn't gonna work. Bye-bye. But, you know, he's, it's like he's got that side to him. That's that, like, survival, I will kill this person to get to whatever end I see in sight right now. But then he also, he gives Val Luthen's kyber crystal. He only wants his payment. He just wants to escape, you know? Yeah, that was, he was, he killed him to say, I'm still gonna get this the mission is for the rebellion to get this money. Right. So by killing him, he can now walk in and say, I did my job. Yeah. Because the cargo will now be delivered safely. Yeah. So I'm out. And then, you know, there's a moment where Vel is like, you're a piece of shit, whatever. But in just a couple sentences, handing over the Kyber crystal and so on, convinces her enough, like, look, we're good here. So he tries to leave, but then Vel gives him Nemec's manifesto, which apparently Nemec, maybe in his dying breaths, asked Vel to give to Cassian. And this is like the, the turning point moment, or at least the seed of what will be the birth of Cassian Andor as we met in Rogue One, that version, that like dedicated idealist, flawed, but idealist rebel that we know. And then lastly, um, the rebel attack becomes galactic news. It's a big deal. Obviously, Partagaz calls everyone in to build like a, a big retaliation plan, like put on the coffee, call your families, tell them you're not coming home. We want all this by midnight. Then it goes to Mon Mothma in the Senate. She's speaking about something that I didn't look up what planet she was talking about. Maybe we'll do that in the Gor den. Gor Gorum? Uh, something like that. Starts with a G. We'll check that out. Everyone starts chattering. A bunch of people leave. Then it cuts to Luthen in his gallery, and there's a customer sitting there. He's got like an I, you know, a Star Wars iPad. He's like, oh, dude, there's some big shit's going on in Aldani. And Luthen goes to the back, has a nice chuckle and a smile. We did it. Roll the credits. Uh, I wanted to say one thing about the Mon Mothma scene, the scene in the Senate Hall. There were definitely deliberate shots of senators leaving mm -hmm. their seats, but there were also, before the chatter started, before people started leaving, when it was silent and she was still just speaking, there were lots of shots of empty seats. Yeah. A clear sign that the Imperial Senate is coming apart. Yeah. It's soon to not matter at all because people don't even give a shit about showing up for sessions. It's not worth their energy. They're yeah. yeah. Brutal. And I, God, I felt so bad for her before I knew... Well, it's not one or the other, but before I knew that people were leaving because of the news, I was like, this poor woman can't get a damn thing done. Yeah. All she wants to do is try to use her political sway to do the right thing. She can't even get people to listen to her. They're talking in the back. They're checking Instagram. They're farting. <laughs> they don't care. It's, the, um, it's very reminiscent of what's going on. She's actually calling for an overstep of whatever an ally was that was doing something wrong. Like she says that this is a boot to the throats of all Gormans. Yeah. Did I say Gorm? Gorman. I knew it was close. Gorman, yeah. So so she's basically saying like, we will present facts. We need a fact-finding committee. So like she's basically like, let's do an investigation. And people are like, we're not listening to that. We're not doing that. I'm like, 
if only that was what's going on every day in- <laughs> on earth everywhere <laughs> we look <laughs> get me out of here first transport out get me on punch it hey nick what's up adam where did you get that shirt you're wearing the one that i like so much with the star wars things on it oh uh, this one this one i get a lot of compliments on i got this one from roosevelt's r-s-v-l-t-s you know that company I see them on Instagram all the time. They make great stuff. Shorts, shirts, all the business. Yeah. They have a bunch of great Star Wars designs, obviously, and other franchises like Marvel, WWE, Disney, and many, many more. So many more. They're more known for their button-down shirts, but they also do t-shirts and shorts, and not just for the men, but for the women and the children, too. Dark. (laughs) (laughs) I love the way they fit. The fabric is super comfortable. Can't stop wearing them. Nice. Well, I'm going to rsvlts.com to make a purchase because I actually don't own anything yet and I've been meaning to buy something. I'm going to use the promo code THANKTHEMAKER with no spaces to get 20% off my first purchase. And you can do the same again at rsvlts.com. I'm talking to you, listener. Use promo code THANKTHEMAKER and get 20% off your first purchase. It is the dark side of Torgon. It's a Kalikori. A Sith Wayfinder. Dark science. Cloning. Secrets only the Sith knew. Mike, do you have the key to the den to open the door and get us in the den of antiquities? The den of antiquities is very dark. Okay, so we have um, what's pretty cool about this. Uh, We've got another angle of the Polaroid camera. Um, You can see that they've modified it and made it less obvious of what it is the rangefinder specifically the lens is what was used of course this is like a big thing that people love nerding out over all the pieces of what originally made these costumes um and from last week it was the the viewfinder for boba fett's rangefinder and the inside of his stock very cool the, the eyepiece on the camera is that what it is yep so when it comes down and he looks through it's that specific piece which is freaking rad sick so the first time i think that we've we've seen this like cb radio we're probably going to eventually figure out what this is and how they modified it, but it's cool that they almost have like this like shortwave radio besides just the Imperial comm link that we saw in the Death Star. So this is almost like kind of like a, you know, your classic like go under the enemy's radar, stay off the airwaves yeah. until we need to. So I thought this was a really cool opportunity for them to show this. Like you're playing up the heist thing, right? Like the fact that we haven't seen zip lines in Star Wars, because everyone used to have jetpacks. Yep. The last time we saw zip lines was Rey dropping down on Jakku when she was ex- pillaging the right, right. Star Destroyer. So I thought that was pretty So cool. that, that field comm is like, it looks like a straight up just shoulder strap CB radio that they just modified right. the front of it to make it look in universe. It's even just like the curly Q, like a uh, stretchy cable and the, the handpiece is straight up an Earth CB radio, right? It would appear so. And of course, the thing that I love about this community is that we're going to be able to identify what it is. Um, We've definitely seen some shared props across from Star Wars so far, which is great. But I love that, you know, we just might get something that's brand new, but still very much like, oh, it's a vintage radio. Huh. Sounds good. Yeah. So the other thing that was that we noted in here was really like getting a real good look at this Imperial Army kit this uniform that was kind of like your average foot soldier. They're very reminiscent of, you have a a couple of combinations. It's a repaint. It's all black this time instead of the mud gray that we saw from the Mimban troopers in Solo uh, with the open helmet, which is very reminiscent of the ATST helmet, Mm -hmm. uh, the chicken walker helmet, and then also uh, what 
Veer's war in Empire Strikes Back. So instead of it being green with those those silver goggles, this one's all black, but they have the same kind of getup. Um, same goggles, right? Or no? Same goggles, yep, which is sweet. Without the armor, they're wearing the, uh, you've seen it already, that Din and Mayfeld war in the jugger when they were driving the juggernaut in the Believer episode of The Mandalorian Season 2 when they had the conversation with the officer and had to blast their way out. So, uh, so, we've, yep, so we've seen that before, which is very cool. And new officer swag. We've never seen a commandant before in Star Wars. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that sash and all of those extra little pieces, he had that ribbon on top of his, uh, it's almost like, like sc- the scrambled eggs, <laughs> like yeah. the Navy hats. So he, he was, I mean, he was kitted out. I've never, we've never seen that. I think you're starting to see uh, the epaulets and the shoulders. Like you're starting to see all these details that are coming through. It's like a ceremonial outfit yeah. instead of an operational wear, one. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because they're they're having the dinner there. Yeah, yeah so like he's putting the, on your navy whites. Yep. Yeah, you never wear those unless it's a dinner or an event. Exactly. What about the um the the rank badge thing? All yellow. Have we seen one like that before? Or has it always been blue and red for the commander? Um, Can't, commander. Yeah, right? we've seen um, colonel. Yes, it was his. I think his was all. Wasn't his all yellow and red? We've seen. Yeah, that. like one red and yeah. Yeah, we saw a lot of them in Rogue One. Rogue One wow, has word. really favored the single rank versus A New Hope had the stack. So uh, just a little bit different, which is sweet. I like it. Um, the uh, Imperial diving suits. Brand new. Never seen that before. Yeah, very cool. I thought that was rad. And they weren't like, they were kind of understated. It wasn't this like, you got to put on the like, t- it's a blue tie pilot helmet so you can breathe out of it. You know, it was like, it was subtle enough that, you know, you could see that it actually would have worked. So I'm sure that there's probably some deep reference to, you know, they had like someone made up scuba troopers at one time. It just yeah. looks ridiculous. Um, Echo One, the call sign that they used mm-hmm. um, was last, I think that was said in Phantom Menace, which is kind of a callback, which is cool. And then of course, uh, just Echo being a call sign is. Uh, the Empire Strikes Back on Hoth. Mm-hmm. No, he was, that was. Echo Base. Oh yes, you're right. Yep. Echo Base. Yep, exactly. Yep. And uh, that snow speeder was Rogue Two. So, yeah, it's, it's just awesome. Um, the TIE pilots, uh, so far from what I can tell, they were OT style with the flat canvas khaki on the flight suit, but the helmet looked more Rogue One. Pretty sweet. Uh, so we're seeing continuity there, but I will double check to make sure when we talk about an armor party. And again, this is the first time we're like seeing all this like med stuff, this like medical stuff. Like we, yeah, yeah. you know, I thought it was interesting. They went with a med spike over back to spray. Right. So it makes me think was a med spike like intravenous versus back to spray is like topical, but regardless, like, well, Din was messed up and IG like sprays him with the spray and he's like, I'm good now. So, (laughs) well, I got the vibe that after Nemec received the med spike and they still had to drag him into the cockpit, it had 0% to do with healing at all. Like obviously, like so it was basically just adrenaline. He was paralyzed. I mean, and yeah, right, I knew that. Right. I, I knew immediately when I saw his face when the when that thing squashed him. I knew that's where they were going to go with that. That he was either. Right. I actually didn't think he was going to die. I thought he was just going to be paralyzed. But either way, knew he was paralyzed, and he sure. immediately said, "I can't feel my legs." And then he was like, "You know, Cassian says, what did you give him?'" Because he's like screaming, and his voice sounds crazy, and you know, like it was some kind of intense stimulant. Um, that is probably, yeah. in the end, the reason he died, if you think about it. Like, I mean, it was gnarly, sure. whatever it was. Sure. I mean, he was, you know, kept like, him from blacking out so he could navigate. Like when Jonah Hill wakes up and get him to the Greek. Yeah. And, but, and, ba- and, 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 and back to spray to me is more of like for, for an injury. You know, I mean, it heals your skin. It heals, yeah. yeah Neil like, yeah, yeah. So, 
That makes sense. I like I like all this stuff. Um, hey, this is the first time to remind yourself, uh, check your cholesterol and make sure your heart <laughs> is healthy because in high-stress situations- yeah, you might not survive that med spike. Yeah, if you've been expanded and you're overweight, it could subject you to a heart attack. Side effects include- <laughs> Working for the empire, side effects include instant death. Nausea, vomiting, suicidal thoughts. <laughs> heart attack. Um, the Halcyon wine glasses, the similar style of the gold stock with the with the round cup at the top um, that they're selling on the Disney Wish and on the Halcyon Galactic Star Cruiser. Pretty sweet to see that. That was a nice little throwback in there. Nemec yelling climb. We said that to the Cassian is is the same thing that K2SO said as they were going up the what we call it, the the hard drive tower, the the vaults of of data files mm-hmm. um, as they were escaping in Rogue One, which is amazing. Yeah, yeah. The big, uh, the the necklace, you must have spotted this, Adam. The necklace in the gallery looks like the one that we saw in Luthen's gallery, Frozen in Carbonite. Yeah, so there's a couple on like the, the sidewalls. There's those kind of like um, shelves that are lighted from above. Yeah. And on stands, just like the Calicori, there are a couple of those big ceremonial looking kind of neck pieces. Yeah. And the one looks a lot like the one in Carbonite. I'll do a side-by-side, but I think that all but squashes the idea that that's anything organic or it's that was something <laughs> like a whip, you know? Indy's whip? Yeah, um, although that would be amazing. That would be sweet. Um, yeah, and I, and I just feel like like going back to the, the family, like, you know, you have the commandant and he's like, what's wrong with him? The boy's sick. He's sick. He's like, oh, he's always sick. You just kind of like your just gruff, like military dad that's like, he's not strong enough to be part of this empire. It's just like, oh man. Where's his imperial blouse? He said. Yeah. It all, <laughs> he actually said blouse. He, he's dead anyways, so it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter. <laughs> or we assume he's dead. Blasters. We finally got to see a bunch of blasters going off in this episode, which is great. The DLT-19, which is that real long blaster that we saw in uh, A New Hope. We've seen it a couple other times. We saw it in Rogue One on Jedha. They carry it in the desert, right? The sand troopers? The sand troopers have one, and then uh, and then they also have that big Lewis gun that's called the T-21. It's got the big old fat barrel on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was nice, in my opinion, from looking at it from like a... And Ryan, you play enough video games. Mm-hmm. Um, it was nice to finally see blasters in Star Wars actually have a reason for like the difference between them mm-hmm. because it always seemed like Chewie's bowcaster was like the most powerful weapon ever. And the DL-44 is obviously very powerful. It's like the E-11s were basically just like paintball guns. Mm -hmm. And when Skeen was shooting that thing, like he was blasting dudes, like they were flying back from getting it, you know, so which makes sense. So you have a, it's basically like a handgun versus a a rifle. And so it just, it was kind of nice to see that difference in the weaponry and the blasters for all those things that we saw him do. Different sounds as well. Yeah. And it was interesting because like when he goes, when Skeen walks over and he like tells him what he's going to do, I've noticed this in this show almost exclusively. You hear the blasters charging up. Did you guys hear that? Yeah, almost like yeah. they turn them on. Mm-hmm. Never heard that before. Like Ghostbusters proton pack style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like almost like a switch and he's like, all right, if everyone, you know, it's it's like, you know, because we've always kind of like laughed at the sound of, you know, what's the most iconic sound in like war movies. It's like a shotgun, load a shotgun. Or like, yeah, you yeah. Know, yeah, cock back your, your revolver. Somebody pulls it out with one hand and it still cocks somehow. The sound still happens, yeah. you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> right. So I think that was kind of like the whole like, you know, do you feel lucky, punk? Yeah. You know, that just, you. I guess you turn on your blaster. So that was pretty cool. Jason Chioda, one of our patrons, uh, said that there was an XX9 heavy turbo laser battery at the entrance of the Imperial base. So it's that big turret style gun seen outside of the Death Star. Yeah, those turbo turret lasers. Yep. It's the ones that the pilots are like kind of nervous about because they have to take those out or else they're going to get 
smoked. So it's just, it's cool to see this development. And as we get to rewatch it, because we're doing these reaction episodes pretty quick, like we're just going to keep chewing on how new the E11s are, are a little bit new. They're a little bit modified. We see them with the stocks out. It's, this show is awesome. And it's giving us new stuff, but it's giving us a lot of familiar stuff. I mean, I guess I can't really get over how great this episode was. <laughs> stocks out, rocks out. Yeah. Mike, thank you for that journey in and out of the Den of Antiquities. I love you. I know. Ryan Key, you want to give us some comments from the patrons, some of their favorite moments? Certainly. Patrick Merton, TIE Fighter prep scene. Great call. Agree. That was a stellar moment. Top Gun style, in a way. Yeah, it's like... It just gave me that like, that like all hands on deck. Like there should have been like the classic imperial alarm playing in the background. You know, it's that kind of vibe. Like yeah, we're, yeah. we're going to battle. Deck crew running up, pulling the uh, the blocks from the wheels, yeah. kind of shit. Yeah, so sick. Uh, let's see, Cat H, the eye juxtaposed with all the tense action. So good. Agree. Beautiful. It was it was so so beautiful. Like I want to I want an iPhone desktop background of just the eye in the sky with all that shit, you know? I'm sure there's a, an internet for that. <laughs> okay, this is really good from Zach uh, in the chat, Zach the Maker. This show does such a good job of making the characters seem so small. The single TIE fighter screaming by is more terrifying than ever. Poe shot down 12 in like six seconds. <laughs> and then the eye, the way they look up in awe, it makes the Donnies seem so small. He goes on to say, the way they so insignificantly killed off Lieutenant Gorn and Terramin, who we just spent a significant amount of time getting to know them. Boom, gone. Each one of those death scenes were like one second or less. Yeah. And the way they just leave his body there. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's just like it's over. I mean, it really goes to show you like, you know, your your whole crew in that regard. Like they went to storm the base and it was like, we don't have time to go back. So it's like, everyone, love you, bro. Mm -hmm. This is the plan. Yeah. That's Stick it. to the plan. And it wasn't like this like ceremonious drawn out like Willem Dafoe in Platoon putting his hands up as the music plays. Like, <laughs> yeah. I can't believe I've been betrayed. You know what I mean? Like, it was just like, they're dead. See ya, bye. And that goes to show you like how really, truly how many people get just forgotten in conflicts like this. Just yeah, one side victors. War is not cool, folks, for the record, unless it's a Star War. <clears throat> Thank you, patrons. Mike, what was your favorite scene or moment in this episode? Or quote, for that matter. Yeah, the, my favorite part of this whole episode was just really kind of establishing uh, the fact that it's been a long time, I think, that we felt like we didn't know what was going to happen in Star Wars. You know, because it's like, you know that at this point, established characters like Luke Skywalker are going to be Luke Skywalker and Ahsoka Tano is going to be Ahsoka Tano. And so because we've come to know and love these characters, like we're very familiar with their arcs. We've had so much information about their backgrounds and their stories. But even after just knowing Rogue One, we saw Cassian at the beginning of that movie kill his informant. Like, thanks for the info and just blast him so that he doesn't get caught. You forget that because his death was so heroic in the accomplishment of what they did to help the rebellion. Uh, so this show giving us that uncertainty was completely confirmed in the show that it's like what makes this, you know, Luthen almost cracking up that it actually worked shows that like he <laughs> yeah. thought it was a suicide mission. Like truly, like he yeah. had to go and like have a physical release because he couldn't believe what they pulled off. So like he almost sent them off to be like, I'm going to throw a million darts at this board that just happened to be small groups of people doing crazy shit. And one of them actually worked. And he was yeah. like, 
he laughs, you know, and it's pure like pure joy. Yeah. He, even though he he must know that people died and some of some of these people he's nurtured and trained are no longer that no way everyone survived, but he's just overwhelmed with joy. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I think just the observance of great characters and that, you know, the more you get to know characters from a certain point of view, the more they become gray. And it's this is really just an observation of that. So I would say that's probably the the display of this in this episode, besides the amazing visuals. That's what I'm taking away. Ryan Key, what was your favorite moment or part or quote? Small moment, the TIE fighter launch. Jumping it's in the tough cockpit. To yeah. Not, not, yeah, just not to be my favorite moment because it was just so unique and we've never seen short of, of Poe and Finn getting in the TIE fighter and the Force Awakens. Like this was just so different. But I've been thinking this whole time, is that it or I think the the eye, and as I explained earlier, sort of the way that what I took from the sort of paradox of like the beauty and the and the violence at the same time, that whole sequence of, and now because I missed this, it went over my head. But now Nemec's yelling, "Climb!" Yeah, all the emo coming back of of K two S O and Cassian's relationship and his death and all that's like, mm-hmm. so I I think I think the climb out. And and the sort of book ending of showing the eye before and after the the fight sequence climbing out was my favorite. I think mine was, you know, the whole heist. You know, as as it starts to really ramp up at the end, we could call that the favorite. But a specific moment that we didn't mention was when Lieutenant Gorn reveals himself. He comes in to finally like get everyone out the door, and the commandant starts slowly turns as he hears his voice like no f-ing way yeah realizes right. that <laughs> gorn is in on it and then security shows up and gorn is just like on it he knows to you know slip back into character and say this is a top secret mission you're not supposed to be here you need to get out commandant confirm what i'm saying right yeah that moment of tension where it's all coming together the pace is really high the tension is through the roof and then ultimately it doesn't work and the shootout ensues those final moments before they start blasting is, I think, my favorite. Gorn's just awesome. I love that character. Well, isn't that like classic A New Hope? Like Han Solo being like, I wasn't feeling like talking anyways, blast the, the comms, yeah. you know? like Boring conversation no anyway, yeah. Yeah, right. There's there's no way out. Um, like you get reminded of moments in Star Wars. Of course, it's through a different lens, but yeah, it's awesome. All in all, incredible episode. Awesome ending to this arc. Stoked to see what the next couple arcs consist of and who comes back who doesn't we're halfway through yeah but that's crazy that we're only halfway through we're only halfway we don't know anything it's crazy we don't know anything we're only halfway through and we're this was a condensed first half so we have a good six full weeks to enjoy this show still left i'm so pumped it's crazy man I, i i can't believe how much has happened to know how much we have left but it before we go the only thing i want to leave you with everyone in that crew thought his name was Clem. And the only person who knows what he's capable of is eating blue cereal with his mom, who's annoying the hell out of him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So here we go. Yep. Cyril's revenge. (laughs) (laughs) All right, listeners, if you've made it this far and you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, please press the subscribe button. Or in the case of Apple Podcasts, follow. I think you press the, the plus button now. It helps us. Just by subscribing, it helps people find this podcast. You could leave a review as well. You could be a patron on Patreon, get access to our Discord, watch and listen to us record live like people are doing right now, get exclusive merch, exclusive content. It's good stuff. It all helps. It makes this thing happen because otherwise it couldn't happen, literally. It's my part-time job. 
thankthemakermerch.com is another place you can go to support the podcast and buy some merch of which we now offer um, across the whole network. Well, most of it. Mosh Isley merch is up and running. We've got three or four designs, including a new one for Mosh Las Vegas, which is happening October 28th at Backstage Bar and Billiards. It's the second weekend of the When We Were Young Fest. Kind of a pre-party. It's a Halloween party. It's a Star Wars-themed emo night. It's going to be amazing. And if you're listening and you're anywhere close to Vegas and you don't have plans on October 28th, be there. Trust me, it will be the best party you've ever been to. You can also listen to Princess and Scoundrel, another podcast on the network hosted by a couple friends of ours who are big Disney park goers. So it's about park going, a lot of Disney, but a ton of Star Wars, especially the Galactic Star Cruiser. Mike, tell the people where you can be found and about your stuff. Hey, you can find me on the interwebs at Honda Supply where I'm making all kinds of counterfeit IDs. And we're about to kick off our holiday ornament party, which is where I have a bunch of my really talented friends who build costumes. And uh, we sell these holiday ornaments and raise a bunch of money for a charity that's worthy of uh, supporting. So follow along at Honda Supply and the other podcast that we're part of, Think and Maker Network, which is Armor Party. I hope everyone was enjoying the episode that I had with the Mandalorian, Brendan Wayne. And it's awesome because he was at New York City Comic Con like the weekend after that episode aired. And I heard a bunch of people be like, oh, man, I told him I listened to the podcast and he thought that was awesome. So sick. he had a great time. he, He thanked me and said that was really cool. So that's what we're gonna keep doing. So more armor party and building your building the best version of you in whatever (laughs) Star Wars costume that is, is uh, armor party show on Instagram. Find us there. And uh, let's get building. Ryan, how about you? Uh, You can find me on the line at William Ryan key. All my social media is there. Some cool yellow card news. Uh, If you listen to the podcast and are hip to the fact that Adam and Nick and myself play music for a living, my band is slowly being resuscitated from a long, cold sleep. And we were planning on doing a vinyl reissue of Lights and Sounds, our 2006 release on Capitol Records. So last year would have been the 15-year anniversary for that. But I think, actually, we put the vinyl up for sale today at the time of recording this podcast, and they sold out in about three minutes or something. So I believe there are some left at uh, yellowcardband.com slash merch. There's like 100 or something of the white ones left if you want to grab one before they're gone. But if you can't get a vinyl, we also did some... Which, again, was uh, it was all supposed to come out last year. So we have some really cool merch designs that are sort of updated, refreshed, kind of with the times. They don't look like they were made in 2006. They look like now. And uh, pretty stoked on how they came out. So again, it's yellowcardband.com slash merch. You can grab a new hoodie or t-shirt from, from the Lights and Sounds era. And I think that's it for me. My band Story of the Year today dropped a new single. Our album cover... And maybe the album release date? You did. Possibly. You did release the date. I saw it. We did release the date. Nice. So um, new artwork is out. The album artwork that Mike and I, Mike Forrester himself right here, he and I worked on together. We did that. Including some really interesting stuff uh, that involves AI. And we talk about that at length on the Story of the Year podcast, Page Avenue Crew, which comes out the day after this. Mike's on there. Check that out. Storyoftheyearmerch.com. We got a bunch of merch that goes along with the album, a bunch of new stuff that just dropped, got a few Halloween shirts left, and a new song and a new video. So go listen to those things and enjoy. MoshIsley.com for Mosh Isley tickets. Thank the Maker merch for Thank the Maker merch. Patreon.com for patron stuff. Thank you to patrons, speaking of. Let's wrap this thing up with a quote, Ryan Key. I'm changing it up on you, though. Oh, dang.
I found one. Also a character quote. I like, I like this character quote thing we're doing. I like yeah, it. I dig it's good it. for the series. All right. One path, one choice. We win or everyone dies. Balsartha. That's a poster quote. That's sick. Dang. It shows you also where they're at, where the rebellion is right now. That there's not like a vision of actually winning really, I don't think, in their mind. You know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I know she's talking about that specific scenario, like everyone in this room dies, but I think it applies to just sort of general attitude right now. Like, yeah. burn it all down. It's really cool. Patrons, thanks again for being here with us. Everyone, thanks for listening. And until next week, may the force be with you. Yeah.